and welcome to Trek Companion. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. This is episode 82, and today we're going to be discussing Next Gen's fourth season episodes, Galaxy's Child, Night Terrors, and Identity Crisis. Here we go. Galaxy's Child, season four, episode 16, production number 190, original air date, March 11th, 1991, directed by Winrick Colby, story by Thomas Cartosian, teleplay by Maurice Hurley, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast includes Susan Gibney as Leah Brahms, Lene Chapman as Serial Rager, Jaina Marie Hupp as Pavlik, and Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. <laughs> When Captain Picard asks Geordi to escort a visitor, Dr. Leah Braun, Brahms, aboard the Enterprise, Geordi is thrilled. During a crisis in the past year, he rec- recreated a holodeck, holodeck image of Dr. Braun to help him solve the problem and felt a strong rapport with her. But when the real Leah finally abor- transports aboard, he is crushed to discover that she is cold, cerebral, and humorless. She puts him through his paces, examining and criticizing the adjustments he has made to the engine she designed. Well, I really... I really wanted to meet you for a long time. And... I'd like to think that... we could become friends. Maybe good friends. I thought you knew... Galaxy's Child. <laughs> you know, I remembered liking this episode a little more than I did watching it now. Um, and rather than sour its milk, I will let one of you guys start off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way about it as I did before. It's it's entertaining. It's kind of basically kind of like a, a repeat of the episode. Um, what they're trapped in an asteroid field. I forget the name of the episode, right? And that's where he brings her mm-hmm. into the booby holodeck, trap. and yeah, booby trap. And that's where he rec- recreates her. I mean, it kind of, kind of has the same kind of feel. You know, there's an energy power drain. That's the same thing they're going through here. But obviously, she's not near as nice to him this time around as she as she was the first time. And then you have some kind of awkward scenes there with Jordy and his um, in his um quarters um. So, it's an average episode at best. Yeah, I um, agree. Jordy's great with women as long as they're <laughs> synthetic and programmed to cater to his every whim. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Who is but, it? Come on now. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, in this episode, the the funny warbly space creature must have gotten more than Jordy, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, by process of. <laughs> anyway, um. <Yeah. laughs> I can't so, say I, I did really like the scene with um, Picard, like right after they, um, you know, after they encountered the the alien. I kind of like that first contact, kind of, you know, it's yeah. a little bit different um, than what we're used to. It's like you know, coming across a wild animal, basically. So, I, I like that scene. I liked um, Picard's reaction to them killing killing this creature. I thought it was a, a poignant scene, but um, that was probably my favorite scene in the whole episode. <laughs> The uh, the alien creature. What kind of uh, Chinese food does it look like? I'm trying to place it. You know, is it yeah, like, no. is that a wonton or? Come on. Uh, I know what you're thinking of. It's a, a pierogi. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I could see it. I could see that connection too. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, Adam, are you still watching the? You're watching the SD version, right? The old one. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did the creature look to you on the SD? 
Um, it looks fine. Looks fine. Steve, yeah. I remember thinking I don't I don't think I was blown away by the CG work mm-hmm. years ago, but I remember thinking it was fine. Like, yeah. like Adam just said. I didn't think that now. I thought it looked kind of crappy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm talking about the new HD version, the new right. Uh, Blu-ray well, version. it's probably an example of something, you know, and I guess it's not too surprising. The things that are completely CGI, given the limited technology of the time, when they know what it's going to look like in, in certain resolution, and now when they recreate it in currently, I mean, it's, you know, if they don't... Yeah. Make some adjustment for the detail and work. Yeah, it looked HD. I mean, the resolution was there, but yeah, it was just the the actual animation work was. It was just lame and Mm -hmm. and looked looked like cheap CG. So, so you're saying maybe they were trying too hard to adhere to the original, just make it in high resolution. That comes off feeling right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. See the advantages of watching on Netflix. Even though I, <laughs> even though I have all the DVDs right in front of me, let's still watch it on Netflix. Yeah, that's what we did when we were doing DS9. But every time I would go to the trouble to switch over to the DVD, I, and for me it was even more lazy because I had I have a DVD changer that <laughs> that's, all, that's all that's in it is Star Trek, um, and it was still more trouble than I wanted to switch over to that to find the right disc. Uh, but anytime we would, it was still far better looking than that Netflix stream. Um, but yeah, anyway. Netflix is, I mean, I can't, I can't complain. I mean, you know, maybe the first minute it looks kind of crappy, but then it settles out and it looks fine. I mean, it doesn't look any worse than the DVDs to me. Um, mm. But you have to get past like the first minute because I don't know, I guess it takes a minute to kind of buffer properly and then it comes in yeah. clear. I don't know if that's how it was like with you on DS9. Well, at any rate, the uh, I thought the CG work on the and, and, and once I saw it, something bopped in my memory. I think maybe I've read some fan derision about it hmm. on these Blu-ray transfers. Maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but I, I, get, I think other people were disappointed with it as well. Hmm. Uh, but it doesn't bother me that much because I just don't particularly care for this episode. And <laughs> at least this episode is not the worst one we're going to discuss today. <laughs> but... Uh, I do like, uh, I don't remember her name, the actress that plays Brahms. I, I think uh, she's very good. Yeah, yeah good. She's, she's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, she's a good actress. And she inhibits the character very well. She has a nice chemistry with Jordy, which is an interesting, must have been an interesting role for her to play, considering yeah. she played a variation, but definitely had to be a different version of the same character mm-hmm. than last time. Um, she was in DS9, too, right? Yeah, she was in that... Uh, Captain of, uh, yeah, the one where um, Cisco and Odo go back to Earth, yeah. Earth and Starfleet Academy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was in that one. She played. She's a captain of um, an Excelsior-looking ship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, course, so I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I do like her, you know, and I like I like their chemistry, but for the most part, I don't like their actual interactions because they. They come off. Incre- they feel incredibly dated and cheesy. And yeah, yeah. What were you going to say, though, Steve? No, I think, I think it's I th- something I still wish they would have explored more at some point. With were these dynamics of the holodeck and what you know, taking a serious approach to. So, what's the story if you take real people and make yeah. holograms of them? And is there any kind of consequence? Does anyone care? Are there laws against this? Is it just an ethics thing? You know, it's it's uh, it's always just danced around. It's like, ooh, you caught me or whatever, you know. But <laughs> no one locks their doors or locks. Yeah, their she programs, is not. But nearly, I don't know. She's not nearly as upset as. 
And she's upset for a second, and within a minute, he turns it around like he's the victim. Yeah. yeah. You know, you would think it would have been she would have been way more upset walking in there and seeing uh, the lovey version of her. Um, I don't know. I maybe they kind of like maybe they kind of felt like you know if seeing the episode there's nothing that Jordy did that was inappropriate and so they just kind of glossed over that and they didn't really take her point of view of it you know I mean we all know that Jordy didn't do anything inappropriate I mean you know he had hopes and I just kind of and then his reaction was just a little over the top too you, you know he mm-hmm. got mad at her um, I like your the way you described it he kind of just turned it around on her um, and, but then you know by the end of the episode in 10 forward they're almost like too friendly, and it's, it feels—it just feels cheesy. It doesn't feel like what how people actually interact, you know. And when you say that, for, I, there's a grain of salt when you say that with Next Gen because already it's the it's the least human-like of some of the relationships, just because it was Gene's direct creation, and mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of how he he wanted it. But DS9 got a little more real, and, and so did Voyager, and you know even Enterprise. But but next gen, so and I, so I'm, I'm not saying it in a, an insulting way when I say maybe it's occasionally a little bit more stilted. They had to try and come up with, uh, they had to find drama outside of relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but even for this show, even in that scenario, there relates. It still feels cheesy uh, yeah and i don't know if that's by today's standards i don't really remember thinking that then but you would I think thought- that by this time they would be i put it another way by the the 24th century i expect them i i would think that it, it wouldn't be so coy it's halfway into the episode before she says Jordy I'm married Mm -hmm. if you're saying what I think maybe you might mean you know it's just still talking around it it Mm -hmm. just feels like it feels like like some geek that doesn't have a girlfriend and have has a girlfriend wrote the episode, which I know is not yeah. the case. I'm just saying that's what it feels like. Well, yeah, I, fe- I felt awkward when you know when he's setting up his um quarters. You know, he's Jordan. You know, it's Jordy always has a fight with the computer about how to set up music and lighting. And, you know, this isn't the first or last time we'll see that, but it's just yeah, it just seemed a little over the top for me. You know, I think I thing. think considering Jordy is the engineer for the whole ship, I think the computer was jealous and trying to make it harder for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. Computer sabotaging all these things—that's what his problem is. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the episode that they should have made. You know, where the computer falls in love with Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> have that whole dynamic. Oh, what was that early '80s movie with the kid from Harold and Maude? He does the voice of the computer that falls in love with his owner's girlfriend. Eh, never mind. Electric Dreams. Electric Dreams. Mm-hmm, yeah. Boy, there's an obscure movie. Yeah, there's, right. a, there's a there's a new movie with uh, what Joaquin Phoenix. Is called oh right, her. Uh, yeah, it's kind Spike, of similar plot line. <clears throat> um, well, we thought of well, a lot of, of, of cool ways to make this a better episode, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> what about the B story? Did you guys like that? You know, with the I did. I thought. Like I said, I like the scenes with Picard and his um, remorse about how things went down. And um, I mean, yeah, the the alien even in SD on Netflix, it's a little cheesy looking. But um, yeah, I, I like the B story. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. There's just well, I think it's no connection it's a, between the two. Yeah, it's it's amazing that they 
basically pulled it off if you just said to me, okay, so there's this this little baby's going to be born and he's going to think the Enterprise is his mother and he's going to suck on its teeth and then they're going to go to the Enterprise <laughs> belt and, and release it to its parents. I would have said, that's going to not work, you know? So it's it doesn't work awesome. I don't but it's more it. interesting than the than the Jordy um, yeah. chemistry. But the fact that it that it doesn't completely fall apart to me as a complete joke is says something, I guess. This, this is when all the dorks get out the schematics and say, like, okay, they put the teat in the wrong place on the episode. <laughs> 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 no, they did though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. So they say something about that it's Shuttle Bay Four, but he's obviously clinging to Shuttle Bay Three or vice versa. I forget. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So, yep. Uh, we're we're them. Um. Have, even like like the scene with with, the, with Jordy and his date and his. I, I know it's supposed to feel a little bit awkward, but it feels like really awkward. It feels like stalker awkward to me. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. When he's like, she comes in dressed like she was from earlier, and he's wearing, you know, his his um, '90s outfit. Um, and he's like, uniforms are so. Formal. <laughs> um, I don't know there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can be a serial killer, you know. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. We get when we run out of episodes to cover, we'll have like topical uh, podcasts, like was Jordy a virgin, you know, and things like. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But well, I guess I'm just thinking about it now. They made the whole holodeck thing even a little bit more awkward because he obviously didn't tell her about it, you know, it's one of those things well, hey, I got this program, this is how I know you, but it just kind of made it more awkward, just kind of leading up to that. Yeah, like, why wouldn't he tell her, when they first see that that piece of gear that he knew they made together, he said, why wouldn't he say maybe it's a little weird, but I I needed help, I recreated you with the computer, help me out, why wouldn't he tell her that? Why wouldn't why wouldn't he ask her if she was married, or at least in a relationship? Fine, maybe the computer computer wouldn't know if she's in a relationship well, maybe by then it would but why wouldn't she tell him I don't know the whole thing was just like it was awkward it was like 50s awkward mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah the exchanges don't seem realistic right. so I guess we've beaten that horse um, what's this episode about how not to ask a girl out yes definitely Oh, I didn't even mention about my favorite. One of my favorite lines is "Warp." They're changing color. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just want to edit it next to any number of scenes on the view screen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Analysis, Mister Warp. <laughs> changing color. Yeah. Is that, this is the first time we see the what's pretty much going to become the Jeffries tubes of. Oh uh, yes, next gen DS nine. Yeah. Yeah, I would have trouble coming up with something that it's uh, about, really. Um, I think part of it is because the A and B story don't connect in any way, shape, or form. I mean, it's kind of a relationship story thing, you know. And um, I mean, I think you you can probably come up with something for the B story sooner than the A story in terms of being responsible for your actions and so forth, you know. And but uh, I don't know. I don't know, you can maybe say Guinan kind of summed up, you know, your ex, what was she t- telling Jordy about expectations? Mm-hmm. She, she didn't live up to his expectations, so, you know, careful what you expect out of people. Sure. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, see her for who she is, not for what you want her to be, or something like that. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well. I think we've spent enough time on this, and we really, really, really need to talk about night terror. Uh, but first, <laughs> six degrees for Galaxy's Child. Um, Adam, you going first or second? Um, I'll go second. Steve, mm-hmm. Jenna Marie Hupp plays Ensign Pavlik, one of the engineers in engineering that helps Jordy with the engine. <laughs> <laughs> what was I drinking here? Uh, in Next Gen's fifth season, she played Lieutenant Monroe in the episode Disaster. In this episode, a crisis strikes the entire ship and leaves different groups in different places struggling to survive, except for Picard, who is trapped in a turbo lift with kids and wishes he'd been killed. Who takes command of the Enterprise when perhaps Lieutenant Monroe is killed? Oh, is that the one where uh, Troy? You're correct, it was Troy. Adam? Lanai Chapman plays Serial Rager, the helmsman, and April Grace plays transporter chief Maggie Hubble. Each will return to play their background-ish character multiple times, but who will do so the most? Uh, Can you picture these people? It's 50-50, so I'm going to say the um, ensign, whoever played the ensign, not the transporter chief. Um, you're incorrect. Yeah. So I won't give it to Steve since it would probably be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was uh, April Grace, the transporter chief, had five appearances versus Chapman's four. All right, uh, Steve has one. Moving on. Night Terror, Season 4, Episode 17, Production Number 191. Original air date, March 31st, 1991. Directed by Les Landau. Story by Sherry Goodhearts. Teleplay by Pamela Douglas and Jerry Taylor. Music composed by Ron Jones. Guest casts include Rosalind Chow as Keiko O'Brien. John Vickery as Andrus Hagen. Duke Muskian as Gillespie. Craig Hurley as Peoples. Brian Toshi as Kenny Lynn. Lene Chapman as Serial Rager. Call Meany as Miles O'Brien, Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan, and Deborah Taylor as Chantal Zahiva. The Enterprise locates the USS Bertain, a science vessel which has been adrift for several days, only to, to discover the entire crew, with the exception of the ship's Betazoid counselor, is dead. Troy tries to communicate with the survivor, but can deduce no information that sheds light to the mystery that took place aboard the Bertain. After performing autopsies on the crew, Dr. Crusher concludes that the 34 men and women killed each other. All I know is that there's more going on here than being caught in a Tycan's rift. And I don't know how or why it's happening, but I do know this. There is an inevitable conclusion to this pattern. And if I can't find a way to stop it, we will all go insane. All right, folks. This is the example of how not to do a bottle episode. <laughs> let me give you, let me just read you some lines that I just, these are just my normal notes. Out of context, I think it helps illuminate the episode. <laughs> There's nothing funny about the lines themselves. I just wrote this stuff down. Uh, data to Picard. I order you to bed. Um, 10 forward fight. Picard owes us answers. Punch. Data. Here's one. Data sending in hydrogen. Does that sound like an exciting episode? Let's have Data send in the hydrogen. (laughs) 
no, I could go on, uh, but this is this is this is this is what it is. Um, shocker! Enterprise starts going through same thing that Britain went through. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Nope, not at all. God, uh, this Sorry. episode feels like a second season episode and a bad one at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see it. Mm-hmm. Why do junior officers always go nutty first? What, <laughs> what, do, what do the senior officers have? I would say it's it's convenient though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 This goes back to the original series days too. I mean, all the less yeah. people yep. lose it first. It's just the cat. The captain's obviously the best. You know, he hangs in there longest. You know, stuff. That's <laughs> the case. Mm-hmm. And what are they, oh, they just lock up everybody in their they figure this out, they lock everybody in their rooms and data's in charge from the get go. Yeah, like like <laughs> like Crusher and who was it? Troy come in, they come into Picard's office, they say, We're worried we might be going through the same thing they pretend. Stop! Everybody, lock up your quarters, <laughs> data's in charge. Go, run. Yeah, we have a luxury with data here that a few other ships do. If, Let's data, if you can, get the ship. Yeah, somewhere safe. If not, don't let us Put us in stasis. Yeah, everybody's in stasis. Yeah. <laughs> the episode's 15 minutes long. Credit roll. <laughs> Look, now, well, Brad, all, all the Star Trek episodes, everything's been done probably, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's rare you see something that feels like totally new or something. But the game is saying something uh, new with old words you know you can we've seen we've seen this same thing done since then in a way that we wouldn't have joked about it like this because <clears throat> if you do it right you can still do it but this isn't it you know this, this um, episode is just not good are there, i mean i agree with you brian but there i was amused more by this episode than anything it's not good by any stretching the imagination. First off, it's Troy floating through the air. They got her on some wires. That that was amusing to me. For the record, not supposed to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was amusing to me. I was amused. Um, we got to see Picard yell at the door again. You know, it was like, wide, wide, come in, you know. We got, so we got to see Grouch. Yeah. <laughs> season one and two. Um, oh, and I really enjoyed um, Picard in the Tobra lift when he's freaking out and it just opens up and everybody's just like, oh, what's going on here? I actually laughed a little bit out loud with that one. So I, I, kinda, I think I, that was supposed to be humorous, yeah. I kind of <laughs> suspect, and I didn't try this, but I have a theory, and I'm, now I'm kind of curious to try this. I, might, I was thinking that this, this might be absolutely hilarious to like just turn off the audio. <laughs> and here's the deal why because we have we have you know people barking at things and and troy floating in space and especially telepathy telepathy if you ignore that their sound going on is hilarious it's two people just with their eyes just locked on each other <laughs> just staring at one another nothing happening <laughs> yeah i loved oh i also loved you know the the captain of the, of the other ship she's like impaled um, you know, when they first go in there, I don't know, she had like a spear, like right through no, her chest. Even, I'm like, look at the way they open that scene, dude. They're all in the back. So the camera starts kind of tight on them. They beam into the back of the bridge. <laughs> now, picture a couple minutes later, the camera, is, the camera is dollied back, right? And it's wider. Now we can see the whole bridge. They would have been pretty, I mean, they could have seen all of this from where they were standing. But somehow, they don't freak out. They don't, they don't make any faces. There's no reaction. You beam onto that bridge. You would have seen that. No reaction. They, we follow Riker around the thing, and he comes over to the captain, and then he looks. Oh, she's been impaled. And, you know, it's like, what? <laughs> and then, yeah, then they can just kind of zoom out, and there's like three other bodies like two feet away from There's Riker. one over here, too. No crap. <laughs> hmm, what's happening? 
I mean, yeah, they should have finished materializing, and then there'd been some like WTFs and vomiting or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Get us off of this ship. <laughs> Send data. <laughs> well, that ensign that was freaking out on the ship probably had the no- most normal reaction out of everybody, you know, on there. There's people here. Let's get out of here. You know, it's like, yes, it is creepy in there. And it is, I mean, I found that the bridge actually is enclosed too. They kind of, you know, there's, it's it really, to me, it wasn't like the typical, um, Starfleet bridge that you normally see it seemed kind of blocked off and not open like most of the Starship bridges you see. Yeah, it didn't really look like the Reliance Bridge. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, you mean the Enterprise's bridge? <laughs> um, gosh. Yeah, like I, I was I was really trying not to just flat out dislike it. And then even right near the end when when it, I, you know, the the fight in Ten Forward is just like, Picard knows us answers. He just turns and punches. <laughs> what, you uh, didn't like Guinan's gun? That big, huge yeah, and then, uh, when lollipop? Guinan, Guinan has that monster rifle behind the the counter, and she grabs it and just makes some sparks or something. And then she's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, too? I'm like, yeah, actually. What did the, what did the, just did, like, fireworks, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I've, uh, I've never seen a gun or a phaser on on any Star Trek episode that looked more like a toy than her. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, even that. Yeah, it was just, but that, but that fight was just like, wait, what? Come on, what? Oh. Now... I saw an interview. It was Rick Berman who specifically said this whole thing is totally medically accurate as far as if you don't get REM sleep, uh, you will go insane. Well, at least that. Well, yeah, I don't. Dis- I don't dispute the um, the science <laughs> behind the episode. It's the um, the reaction to the science that I think we have a problem with. You know, I can I can plausibly believe that. Yeah, if you go without sleep for you know ten days or however long they were sitting around there, that yeah, people are going to start going kooky. Um, but I don't think that was the problem with the episode. Yeah, and then as people are getting, like as the episode goes on, it gets almost like it feels like it gets slower and slower because everyone's tired and they all look, you know, they get the, the tired looking makeup and everyone's trying to act tired and then it's just, and then you, you start falling asleep as you're watching it. <laughs> um, so, God, I feel bad. We just, we kind of ripped the last one now we're really ripping this one. Uh, but folks, this is, this, this, this is not a good episode. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure this is the weakest one of the season. So it's all uphill from here. Hmm. Um, oh, man. Yeah, and the, yeah. It's just you see where the whole thing's going. Even the, the Danois, uh that her dream is supposed to represent that they need a hydrogen... Adam, it, I mean, it's a stretch, but okay, okay. Um, and then we send that in, and then there's the explosion, and then everything's great. Um, I don't know. I just... <laughs> is this episode about anything? I don't I mean, I like the concept of them being in this kind of this energy rift, and they have to work with another alien ship to get out of it. I, I like yeah. that concept on its face. Just what they did with it is just... Yeah, it didn't, didn't really. Yeah, it's, work. I mean, it's pro- they're probably trying to do something like working working with other people under extraneous circumstances and you know difficult situations and collaboration and something like that. It's just obviously the execution is a problem. <clears throat> yeah, Troy gets to save save the ship, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, what, her like, where are you, Freaky Green Dream? Mm-hmm. 
that was I think I remember thinking that was cheesy then, but it certainly looked cheesy now, no? Yeah. I tell you though, I'd love to get some of that raw blue screen footage and put my own backgrounds on there. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> I'm right here. I'm right here. Yeah, right here. What's up? <laughs> Did you did you guys find it peculiar that at the end of the um, episode it's just Data and Picard on the bridge? Well, everybody else is uh, fighting in ten forward, I guess. I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, and here's something. Worf sure keeps those like ceremonial suicide <laughs> weapons awful handy. Like, <laughs> on the top of the dresser, right when you walk in. <laughs> you know, it's multi-use it. there, but those. If he really uses you, it to cut a salami, and you know, and then he, you know, he needs really to you know, lube up with that olive oil or whatever, you know, before you yeah. stab yourself. <laughs> Isn't that like right now they hold hands? She takes his hand, and don't you feel, you know, oh, Worf is so cuddly. He took her hand. Actually, it, without joking, it did make me think of what season seven when they when they date, and then that just yeah, reminds yeah. me, God, Worf. Does is it? He sleeps like with. More than half the women on the shows, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Worth. I mean, he, he's he is. Yeah, gets around. Yeah. <clears throat> even um, even Nicole De Boyer, just one episode. But mm-hmm. anyway, I'm sorry, her character, not not actually her. That's <laughs> you know uh, of. So, Night Terrors. We is this about anything? Did you have anything, guys? People listening to our show right now are like, why are we listening to the show? (laughs) (laughs) All I'm doing is knocking it, right? I'm sorry. I I know. I've had people email. Multiple people have have told us one of the things we like about it, they like about our show, is that we we just really like Star Trek and it takes a lot for us to not like it. Something. So here you go. This is like, this is like, move along home for me. So, um, I guess you could. I guess you could kind of say, you know, that you know, you were talking about Deanna and Worf, and you know, it's, I guess, overcoming your fears and finding, finding what fear is real and what is imagined, and coping with that. I don't know. It's kind of a stretch. I would but... like to have seen that episode. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, um, that's all I got. Yeah, like I said, it maybe maybe a little bit of collaboration and you know providing what. Uh, what others need and that kind of thing is they're probably going for that, you know, obviously with the big hydrogen and all that nonsense, but, you know, yeah, next gen, it's an odd show to me because like let's, the original series, I think started off incredible. And then with each subsequent season, maybe wasn't quite as good as the previous season because they lost money and interest and stuff, but they still, I mean, they still have some good episodes by the third season, but the point is they started off awesome and they, there was a clear trajectory Right, mm-hmm. DS9 and Voyager. I would say there was a clear trajectory of improvement from the from where they started off, which wasn't as great, but there was still a consistent trajectory. Um, even Enterprise, less so, but I would I, I would still say that you know, season three was way better than one and two, and season four was better than all of them for me. But Next Gen, that's the weird one. Next Gen is weird because yeah, we'd all agree, like, the first season and a lot of the second season isn't very good. But, like, pretty much seasons three through seven, there isn't that clear trajectory at all to me. 
you know, we will have episodes that were that are fantastic, like we've had this this season, and then we've got plenty of, you know, we've got night terrors in this season, you know, and and so it's it's more like a it's more like a flat line that jumps up and down rather than an overall feeling of improvement. Um, that's not necessarily a complaint, um, but it but it, it's just different. But it does always make it hard for me to tell, like, if it weren't for stuff like Wesley being gone, you know, I I would have a hard time telling some of these episodes which season they're in. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, so it's there's it's an odd thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a complaint. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, and then we'll get to it eventually. But I think season six is better than seven in this series too. So. Yeah, I think a lot of I think season seven is generally agreed upon to be a disappointing season. I mean, a lot of people felt like they should have quit after six, you know, but three is better than so far. I feel like three was way better than four. And I positive I'm going to, I like five better than four because it's got some, so many great episodes in it. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what you think. Just thought I had. Uh, so not night terror is not one of our favorites, but, um, we're through it. We're through it. <laughs> That's probably what they said um, in January of 1991 when they shot it. I think I saw another one where Michael Pillar said, well, it was the first episode we shot after we got back from Christmas. So, you know, mm. it takes people a while to get <laughs> over. Yeah. A lot of eggnog. Hey, that's funny. That's uh, we're, we're doing it in January. All right. Um, let's stop talking about it and move on to Six Degrees for... Night terrors. Um, let's see. Steve has one. <clears throat> so, Steve, you can decide if you're going first or second. I'll go first. John Vickery. John Vickery plays the Betazoid Hagen that Troy shares a dream with. In DS9's seventh season, he played the Cardassian Gull Rousseau, one of Damar's friends, who kills Rousseau when he considers killing Kira in the episode Tacking into the Wind. Hmm. Demar, you are correct. It was Demar. Uh, Adam Vickery also played a Klingon prosecutor in the Enterprise episode Judgment in Enterprise's second season. Who was he prosecuting? Would that have been um, Archer? You are correct. Two one. Moving on. Identity Crisis, Season 4, Episode 18, Production Number 192, Original Air Date, March 25th, 1991, Directed by Winrick Colby, Story by Timothy DeHaas, Teleplay by Brandon Braga, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Patty Yasutaki as Alyssa Agawa, Mary Ann Plunkett as Susanna Leitchen, Dennis Madalone as Hendrick, Mona Grutt as Graham, Amick Byram as Paul Hickman, and Paul Tompkins as Anthony Brevel. Jordy's friend and former shipmate, Susanna Leichen, informs him that the two of them are the only crew members remaining from a away team that once investigated the mysterious disappearance of several people on the planet Tarchanan 3. The last of their former colleagues has stolen a shuttlecraft to head back to the planet, and Susanna enlists the Enterprise's aid to find out what is happening. The crew follows the shuttlecraft to the planet, discovering two additional shuttlecrafts on the surface, but with no life signs. I need to get off the ship. Susanna, why don't we uh, go and see Dr. Crusher? Forget Crusher and forget your logs. 
Tatiana's down there, Jordy. It's waiting for us. That's where we should go. So in my research, I discovered, I mean, a lot of people involved in this episode thought it turned out really, really well. Um, but I I felt pretty much the same as I've always felt from the first time I ever saw it. There's some cool visual stuff in it, but for overall, um, I'm pretty lukewarm on this episode. Mm-hmm. What do you guys, what are your first thoughts? Um, it might be the best of the three that we've talked about today. I'll That's not that. saying a lot. I'll give it that. Um, I, I probably feel the same way that you do, um, Brian. Um, I I was lukewarm about it then, and I'm lukewarm about it now. And I don't really understand why it's not a bad episode. And I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a bad episode, but it's just kind of I don't know something about it that just doesn't get me going. I think I think um, I think it's problematic when we're always ahead of the everybody mm-hmm. else to solve the problems. I mean, we've seen this in a lot of them today, and it's not the only problem, obviously, but this one suffers from it. It's kind of like, you you know what's going down. you got to know what's happening here, and once again, lock everybody up and move along, you know? But um, it's like, oh, I wonder what the, what's the, what these creatures, but they weren't there before. I mean, come on, you know? A to B, <laughs> B to C, you know? It's just so yeah. weird. There were, there were 20 settlers. They're all missing. There are, incidentally... <laughs> <laughs> 20 creatures uh, and they all have the sa- roughly the same build as the settlers but mm. I mean there's no connection there it's just <laughs> interesting trivia um, yeah no I think that's a good point because it doesn't take long before you you figure it out and you certainly figure it out way before everybody else um even the the Jordy, like it's kind of a cool scene when he's in the uh, holodeck trying to recreate that photo to try and figure out what the shadow is and stuff. I mean, that's kind of that's that's a neat idea. I like that idea actually. Mm-hmm. However, it has no real effect on the episode in any way. Yeah. What happened? Right. What what do, what what comes out of that scene? Nothing. Nothing. Even if Jordy completely figured it out, it's useless because all that happens is he turns into one of the creatures and beam. You know, he turns into the predator, and he beams <laughs> down to the planet. Right. There's no, there's no effect. That whole scene has, has no weight because nothing comes out of it. Even if you just had somebody else walk in after he'd gone and see what he'd left, and then they are able to report it because he figured it out. I don't know something, but otherwise it's just like, what's the point of this scene? Yeah, well, by that time they know that they, that they turn into other creatures. So it's yeah, mm. it's not even yeah, it's kind of pointless. Yeah, and but it's too, and it's too bad they should have done something. I mean, because to me, even though that scene doesn't have any kind of effect on the narrative, it's creepy as all get out. The notion of you know, I think it's always kind of interesting when there's like research into like either video surveillance or something like that, you know, and you're and there's a mystery, and then you find something creepy out. Well, I mean, that's pretty creepy to a shadow that doesn't have anything that should be cast in the shadow, you know. Well, build around that, you know, because that's that's it's an eerie notion you know yeah yeah that's a cool idea it just doesn't have a lot of point here Mm -hmm. um and i do think like the effects that that, that, the you know um michael westmore and bob blackman probably um you know their work is great his his uh costume or whatever it looks really good i mean it looks like he's an actual Mm-hmm. creature and and you you can't knock it for being a guy in a suit because it's supposed to be closely you know to his body 
Um, so that much is fine, but it, it's a cool effect. The, the black light, the UV, all that stuff. That's, I mean, it's actually kind of neat looking. But and well, it's, it's definitely not. alien. Because that's I think yeah, they definitely got that effect. You know, you definitely you look at the, it's an alien. It's not a creature you you would even associate with anything on on Earth. So yeah, I would definitely say it's creepy. Mm. I don't know. Our childhood, I'm not sure. Like, I think back to a lot of kids I knew, like my cousins and stuff, and those aliens, they wouldn't have been able to hide in my druggy cousin's bedrooms, for example. <laughs> the black that's, lights. Yeah, that's what it makes me think of, unfortunately. It makes me think of fuzzy posters, you know, with like the <laughs> yeah. Velvet Elvis. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> I saw an interview with, I think it was David Livingston, you know, one of the producers on this show, often directors, but I don't think he he did not direct this episode. Um, but it was an interview from the time that we, this episode was made. He was like, this is such a cool effect. Um, we were one of the first to really use it. Now it's, now everybody uses it on MTV. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, maybe that's why it feels... <laughs> but... It is cool looking. It is. It is. Um, I, I mean, I didn't even write very much for this. I'm going to shut up because I, I listen to our podcast occasionally, and sometimes I feel like it sounds like Brian is, and that's me, is like stretching things out. Uh, because, he did, hey guys, in two weeks, we get like not one, not two, but like three episodes that I remember really, really loving. I'm pretty awesome. sure. Yeah, it's um, the the one where Barkley goes super smart, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Cupid, mm-hmm. and uh, Drumhead, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. So two weeks from now, it's going to be great. Awesome. I can't wait. I'm so excited. But tonight we got an identity crisis and and um, night terrors and uh, Enterprise Kid. So <laughs> let me ask you this, Brian. So if there was a series out, would, would episodes like this? make it i mean you know like because these are obviously um, bottle episodes that are um well it's funny you just said, got a filler like you know? i imagine i i talked occasionally about my my son on this show at this point in his life my my toddler son is now two and a half years old and i fantasize i do you know i have a son he's so i i i hope someday maybe when he's 10 you know and i'm 800 um <laughs> That he'll like, want to watch Star Trek with me, and we will sit down and we will like binge Next Gen, you know. Um, but when I was watching these episodes, it was the first time I was thinking. I mean, like, would I would I skip Night Terrors, for example? I mean, what am, what am I giving him if I, you know, like I I didn't ask my wife to watch any of these. Um, so I felt kind of bad thinking that that's like a, that's like a Star Trek fanatic nerd, um, thing that only, only those like, like me would could even understand those kind of thoughts and that I would feel bad about that. Um, that's, that's the kind of thought that I had. So yeah, like identity crisis, it's, um, it's fine. It's just, um. It feels like a good second season episode, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think I think Steve, you hit it on the head that we're, we're just we're ahead of it, and um, 
it feels like it's once that happens, you're just you're just waiting for it to move on. It feels like it's spinning its wheels. I thought it was a little bit weird that um, um, what's her name, Light something? What what? Sus Susanna. Susanna. You know that after she after uh, Crusher takes whatever it is inside her out, so that now she can be human again. How does she? How is she like such an expert on the? On the the blacklight guys, like she knows everything about them. Nope, I have to go down there because you're gonna be telepathy or something. I mean, yeah, what's going on with that? Thing. But it's a good thing she did. You know, she's the only one that could convince Disco Jordy to. Turn. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I like I like a couple of the sequences when she really wants to return to the planet. Um, and I'm just pulling it out now. Is this episode about anything? <laughs> Identity. It's about identity, Brian. Is it about identity in some sort of <laughs> crisis? <laughs> Perhaps. Could be. What Steve, do you what's... think about? I um maybe somehow sometimes we have to fight instinct for the betterment of yeah, I don't know. Yes, you know. Don't succumb. Don't succumb to primal instincts. Is that what you're saying? Trying to yeah, say there? Sometimes, sometimes you gotta fight the instincts. You don't want to get ruined on a planet with a bunch of other black light creatures. Oh, there we go. I like that aspect. I like the fact that we they that it starts off and they're showing us five year old footage and they're wearing the old uniforms and stuff. That was cool. yeah, yeah. That was cool. That was cool. It was even cool later when they played it again um, and again. That was cool. I liked it. That was neat. Mm-hmm. They even had like, should be really picky. They even had like the old phasers. Yeah, yeah, that that is cool. And it made me wonder though, why? How often do they do this? What prompts one to record away team missions in this fashion? Yeah, that's, that's the thing of there because uh, because they almost never do that. Yeah, but I I think he had like Google, Google Glass. Is that right? Right, right. Oddly enough, yeah, I always, I always wonder that too. Why they don't record all their away missions? Is you think that would be more like standard procedure? They have like you know a camera, so like you know the captain can see what's going on, but. Seems like this was the only case. Yeah, um, but I I did I really genuinely like genuinely like that stuff. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So this episode isn't about it. You know, by the standards of our show, as uh, as our longtime listeners know, you know we talk about what is the episode about, and when we don't have much of an answer, it's usually also and no coincidence that it's also an episode that um, doesn't hold up. And I definitely think Night Terrors doesn't hold up. I think it was it was bad at the time, um, but Galaxy's Child and Identity Crisis those these are a couple that that um, especially Identity Crisis um, that have probably lost some quality over time because while they were made well, since they weren't really about very much, they it's harder for them to withstand the test of time. Um, unlike maybe Night Terrors wasn't made as well, so that's why it wasn't maybe it wasn't any good from day one. But anyhow, there you have it. Identity Crisis. You know what the most memorable thing about Identity Crisis is for me? Mm. The uh, action figure of Jordy as that a creature. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that's the only reason I even remember this episode. It's, I <laughs> it's a cool looking action figure. He looks just. Mm-hmm. Like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure Lavar Burton loves that action figure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it took him. Uh, six hours 
to get into that costume. And Michael Westmore said at the time that that was the longest um, Star Trek costuming they'd ever done. He had to stand up that whole time, too, you know. Man, and, and pretty much anybody with his build could have done that. It didn't need yeah. to be him. Yeah, it doesn't look that much like him. <clears throat> you, I think you can tell that it's him, but if they got some, gotten someone close enough to his build, maybe he wouldn't have known. I don't know. Mm. Dear God, let's move on to... Six Degrees for Identity Crisis. Uh, Steve has two, Adam has one. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Adam. Yes. Mick Byram plays Paul Hickman, one of LaForge's away team buddies that had to stick with the black light. In Next Gen's seventh season, the episode Dark Page, he plays one of the Enterprise crew's father. Which one? Which season I, did you say? Seventh season. I believe it was in a flashback. I could be wrong about that. It's been so long, but I vaguely remember. I think it was in a flashback. Plays he plays one of the crew's fathers. Yeah. Um, well, no, it must have been a flashback because the guy is dead at the time of the episode. So yeah. Um, I'm gonna say Picard. No, Steve. Was it Troy? You're correct. It was Troy. Okay. Uh, Steve, which regular next-gen character is not in this episode? This meaning Identity Crisis. Mm. I'll give you a hint. It's not Jordy. Let's see. Gosh. Is it Troy? You're correct. Four to one. Two Troys. <clears throat> Actually, yeah, I had three of my six questions today. The answer was Troy. I thought that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, folks, um, I'm sorry. I really am. From the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry that we didn't love these episodes as much as um, you prefer or you would like for us to love them. I should say that. I'm sorry that we didn't love these episodes as much as we would have liked to. Uh, but, as I said, in two weeks we got three great episodes and I'm so excited to watch them and I'm so excited to talk about them uh, with you, my friends, and for you, our audience, to listen. So, um, thank you for joining us. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash trekcompanion. On Twitter, at trekcompanion. Send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Uh, leave a, a review on iTunes. That's how people find us. That's the coolest thing you can do. Um, and uh, thanks again for listening. And um, until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.